Let's get into it. Matthew 27. Um, you have four, four accounts of the, the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and you can see it this way. They all looked at the life of Jesus from a different angle. And so Matthew may have been standing here. Uh, John may have been here. Mark may have been here. You know, Luke may have been here. But they all come in from a different angle. And they all have uh, the resurrection story in them. But they just talk about the resurrection from a, a different side. Today we're going to hang in Matthew. And, and this, this is just powerful. Here it says, verse 45. We'll start here. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. About three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So he's on the cross and he's bleeding out. He just took a crazy beating um, before the cross. Anyone show of hands, you ever seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie? So, so, so that, was, that was the most accurate depiction of what happened to Christ. Um, and so up until this point, he's, he's feeling like the father has abandoned him or, or turned his back on him. Um, we can show hands. You won't shame God. God. God is not insecure. He's not afraid. Anyone ever felt like God abandoned them? Don't, don't be afraid that the building won't burn. God can handle it. God's a big boy. I know I have. Last week, I, want, I wanted some, a burger. I couldn't get a burger. I'm like, God, where, where are you? Where's the Lord? Because my wife won't let me get a burger. Praise the Lord. Some of the bystanders misstood and misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him. Um, on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted again, here it is, and released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top. That's going to be important later. From top to bottom, the earth shook, rocks split apart. Men and women who, who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus's resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. So they, they rose and then they sat there until he rose. Right. This tells me that they were alive, but they weren't living yet. It's Easter. Do I, do I need to? All right. The, the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. Um, there are few things in life that we never, that we never forget. Um, I, I remember um, I was in second grade and we went out to recess and it was it was my birthday I remember my whole outfit it was I was I don't know why but they had me in purple that's purple we've came a long way obviously but um, I had on purple and, and then I had my Jordans on though the Jordans was fresh I had my Jordans the Jordans was purple so I get it they had to match the outfit you know um, 
we went out to recess and I, I don't know, like n- no feather in my cap, but I, I just, I was having a great day. Maybe I was happy. I was behaving well. I was like the best behave ever. We at recess, Mrs. Armstrong put me in front of the line to go, to go back to, to the classroom. And uh, I, I remember when, when we, you know, I was late in the line and we turned the corner into the classroom. And back then I loved ninjas. And so it was all these ninja balloons and this big cake with a ninja. And my mom was there. My dad was there. My auntie was there. My cousin was there. My brothers were there. Like the whole family was there. And it was the, it was the biggest surprise ever. I mean, I, 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 I didn't forget it. I'm, I'm 35 right now. And I was, what, eight back then? That's, that's 20, what, 27 years. Like there are just certain things that you never forget. Um, like 9-11. Many of you remember, if you're old enough to, you remember where you were when those planes ran into the World Trade Center. I was, um, I was in third period English class, Mrs. Gurch. And um, I remember her cutting on the TV and, and, you know, we all were just like, what in the world is going on? We thought the world was coming to an end. Or, you know what I mean? And, and so they, they said, all right, we're going to keep you in school, but then we're going to release you early. But there are just certain things that you, you, don't, you don't forget. It, it just it sticks, it sticks with you. Right. One thing I know that we haven't forgotten as a society is the resurrection. Come on now. Um, there are many things that have happened in the history of the world, but not as significant as the resurrection of Jesus. Um, there are things notable, um, worthy of our attention, worthy of us leaning into and researching and reading about, but none can compare to the significance of the resurrection right. of, of Christ. And at this point, it's been a 2,000-year memory. Um, most things by that time tend to, tend to fade away. Or, or a certain small sect of people remember or recall right. or hold on to it. Right. Right. But, but this thing that Jesus did is still to this day global and it's world, worldwide. And there are two days throughout the year that um, the world cannot deny that Jesus is the man. No other man in the world has two days dedicated to him. Right. You, you, you have certain religious practices. You have certain dates. But um, most people are like, oh, that's weak sauce. We don't do that. You know, like the, the world doesn't stop or pause for a day. Like businesses don't close for a day or a couple days for anything else but Jesus. Um, the calendar. You do know we base our calendar off of the life of Jesus, right? Like the entire world, not, not just Christian nations, not just secular nations, but even Muslim nations base their, their calendar off of Christ. I mean, the significance of the resurrection. And I'll tell you why. It's because the resurrection of Jesus is the, go ahead and write this down, is the most significant event in history. It's the most significant event in history. And if you're taking a note, significant simply means someone or something that has great influence and is deserving of our attention. Someone or thing that has great influence and is deserving of our attention. If you would even think about um, ancient societies, pre Christ, there was no such thing as health care. 
or public health, you would go to the witch doctor and you would have to give that doctor everything you owned so that they can bust a pimple. There was no, it, was, it was barbaric back then. There was no such thing as child care. Um, Pre-Christ and even during the time of Christ, um, children were seen as nothing. But when Jesus stepped on the scene, he, they, they, they you know, get the kids away from him, get the kids. But he, he welcomed the kids and he taught the kids and he set them on his knee and he prayed for the kids and he blessed the kids. There was no such thing as formal education before Christ came around. You have places like Harvard and Princeton and Oxford that were founded based on Christian principles. And their number one mission was to raise up and develop Christians in, 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 in industry and send them out into the world. The, these, these, these Ivy League schools were started on Christian values and, and principles, were founded upon truth. Jesus changed the whole dynamic of everything. And, and so it adds credence to the story we just read that when he got up, he wasn't the only one who got up, but others with him got up. And, and he came to, to, change, to change the world and that which he did. There was no such thing as nursing pre-Christ. Christ founded the practice of, of nursing where people would come to a facility and receive that consistent care that they needed, that medicine, that, that care, that prayer that they needed. None of this existed before Jesus Christ. It was crazy out there in the world before this man came. And so today I want to talk about the significance of resurrection. Why is it so worthy of our attention? Why is it so deserving of our praise? Why, why, why does it have such great influence even in the lives of those who don't believe in Christ? And so I'll tell you, number one, the first reason is here it is, write it down, forgiveness. The resurrection is significant because of forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. I need it every day. I need forgiveness from my children. I need forgiveness from my spouse. Every day I, I do something to mess this whole thing called life. I, I do something to mess it up. I need forgiveness from the staff here at Highlight. Every single week I'll say something and just because I'm the boss, they won't respond. But I'll go in my office and the Holy Spirit will start dealing with me. I'm like, now nah, you know you were, you're out of line. My Lord, well, I ain't saying I'm sorry, so. God's still working on me. But, but we all need forgiveness. And the Bible says this in Romans 3, 23. Here it is. This is why for everyone has sinned. Everyone. Someone say everyone. Everyone, everyone has sinned. And it says this. We all have fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all fallen short. What is God's standard? God's standard is this. It's the scripture. In pre-Christ, we were judged according to the law. And there are 600 laws in the law of Moses. And every single day, we break one of those laws. And the Bible teaches that the wages of sin or the recompense or the payment of sin is death. So one sin knocks us out. And it's all because for a long time, man could not meet this standard, the Old Testament standard. 
And so the other day, I think it was Wednesday night, um, Judah and I, my, my youngest son, we were play fighting right before bed. And mom had just bought these new pillows for his bed. And so we're, we're going at it. I'm like, if, if any of you know, my eye has been, the same eye has been poked out four times. And so now when I play fight, I close my eye. I'm like. <laughs> I'm always, I play basketball. My. <laughs> and um, so we're, we're playing and I'm like, God forbid, I'll get my eye poked out before Easter. And, um, and we stopped play fighting and because the pillow has little, uh, what are called, ribbons or straps at the end of them, each corner. And I look at it and I say, <gasps> Judah, you ripped the pillow. And he had two of them in his hands. He's like, I didn't do it. You did it, Dad. So I said, don't worry. Don't worry about it. All right, let's, let's go to bed. Okay, it's Wednesday. Let's go to bed. This is like 945 because he's on spring break, and you're, you're giving him extra time to stay up. And um, 945, I usually go back in about a half an hour, um, you know, Half an hour or so after he goes to sleep. It's 10, 15, 10, 20. I go back into the room, and he's laying down. I'm, I'm quiet now. I'm quiet. You know I'm quiet. No one can hear me. I'll sneak up on anybody. I'm quiet. I go into the room. He's like, Dad. What about Mom? What are we going to do about Mom? I said... I said, man, you're supposed to be asleep. I said, um, I said, don't worry about it. I'll take the blame. I got you covered. And, and I gave him a kiss. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I, I know you can't uphold the standard. You can't. I can't. We can't. He said, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take the blame. I got you covered. So, so here it is, forgiveness. Jesus was sinless. He did not sin, if you're taking notes. Therefore, I will put, put an equal sign if you're writing. He, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled all 600 laws. And the fact that he was sinless made him a perfect sacrifice for us. Because within the law, there was a sacrificial system or provision, I would say. God provided an instruction for our substitution, for the substitution of our sin. Because he was sinless, he was pure. And he went to the cross once for all of us. Back then, before Christ, they had to go every year. This is called the Day of Atonement with a perfect, a perfect lamb. It couldn't be with spot or defect. It had to be perfect. That was a foreshadowing of Christ. Christ fulfilled the law. He was sinless. He went to the cross once. And as he was hanging on the cross, his blood was being shed. Now, this is vital because the Bible teaches that there is life in the blood. And the Bible also teaches that in order for there to be forgiveness of sin, blood must be shed. And so he had to take that beating before he went to the cross in order for his blood, though red washed our sin as white as snow. All right. And so, and so it says this here, here it is. This is the thought. God no longer sees our sin. He sees the blood of his son. Go ahead and write that down. 
God no longer sees our sin. Should have been a point, but there it is. He sees the blood of his son. So I believe a lot of people, you've come to church this Easter because you want to you wanna know and you want to be assured that God loves you. And, and, and you've heard other people tell you that God loves you. You've heard some sermons online, but you're still not convinced. And so as a result, you carry this self-shame everywhere you go because you know your depravity. I know of mine's. But I'm reminded often that, yes. that it's okay not to be perfect. Adam and Eve messed that up. If you have kids, you know that. Right. Sit down. They stand up. Don't touch that. They touch it. Like, Adam. But you, you walk around with this shame, but what Easter teaches us is that when we sin, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood. And what the blood does is the blood repels judgment. For the wages of sin is death. He is a holy God. He is everything that we are not. And so the reason we can persist, even in our mess, this is grace, is because even when we're messing up, God is applying the blood of Christ to our lives. But I was encouraging the church last week that we don't want to just stay in this cycle of messing up. We want to take this this rich grace that we've received and we want to grow in freedom. We want to to grow in righteousness. It says this here, Ephesians 1.7, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom, here it is, with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He is so rich in kindness and in grace. The second reason why Easter is significant is because, number two, write this down, access. Access. It says here in Matthew 27, It says this, then Jesus shouted out again and released his spirit. There's a lot there. I wish it wasn't Easter. I hold y'all another 30 minutes. It's a lot there. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, back then in Christ's time, there was the temple. Or even pre-temple, it was called the tabernacle. It was portable church set up and tear down. They would set it up in the wilderness, tear it down whenever God would want to move, and they would set it back up. Finally, when they reached the promised land and the Israelites became established, they built the temple. And this was the place where they would come and, and worship God. Now, within the temple, you have the holy place. There's the outer court, and then there's the holy place, and then there's the most holy place. And the most holy place was where the Spirit of God would dwell or would manifest the the, the presence and the Spirit of God. And only a high priest could go into the most holy place. This high priest had to be cleansed. He had to be washed. And only he could enter uh, behind the veil. There was a veil that separated the holy place and the most holy place. What the Bible is saying here in Matthew 27, that when Jesus gave up his Spirit, And when he died, that that veil that separated us from God was torn in two. So 
simply put, whenever historians research this, they say, well, if it was torn from the bottom to top, that means man would have tore it. But because it was so high and it happened in the moment that Jesus released his spirit, that meant that the hand of God came down and tore, tore the veil. So now we no longer have to enter the presence through a priest. We don't have to enter through a pastor. We don't have to enter through a friend. You can go to God. Open access. You can go to God whenever you need. I think of it in terms of, of, of my children. My children have access to me. There is a code to get into my office. They know that code. There's a code to get into our home. They know the code. They know the door, right. our bedroom. Right. They, they, they know how to get into our car. Wherever we are, if they need us, they can get in. And, and it's not just that. There, there are things that they need once they get there. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. Dad, I'm mad. Dad, I'm upset. Dad, I'm afraid. It's the same with us. Whatever we need, we, we, can, we can enter the access. It says this in Hebrews 4. So then, since we have a, a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So there are two things here. You want to write it down. Number one, God understands. That's why the resurrection is significant. Because unlike any other faith out there, where you have to work to get to God. And, and, and God seems so distant in that he doesn't understand. And you got to do certain things to appease God. Not so with the Christian faith. We serve a God who came in bodily form. And who understands what it means to be lonely. To be in a mixed family. To have a, a mom who dealt with some baby daddy drama. Follow my train of thought. Y'all be too clean during the holidays. Y'all come to Christmas like it's y'all sanitize Christmas too much. That was baby mama drama. Baby daddy drama. You know what I'm talking about, Brandon. Right? Joseph. Y'all, I met this girl. Ooh, she, ooh. Mm. She fine. Mm. But hold on, Joe, we, we heard she was pregnant. Pregnant? Let me go holler at her. Hey, um, what's going on? What's going on around town? What's the news? Joe, don't get mad. I'm pregnant. Who the dude the daddy? It, we ain't did nothing, you know. Who did? What's wrong with your finger? Baby daddy drama. We sanitize it too much. You know what I mean? He understands pain and hunger and being without. So God understands your 
your struggle. He understands your pain. And here it is. Write this down. God cares. He faced all the same testings as we do. No one understands. Yes, someone understands. The same. Someone say same. Same. Someone say testings. He understands. When I get in over my head, Trevor, on like leading the church. Like, God, don't nobody understand what it means to lead a church. It's growing all these people, all this, man, don't nobody. People's lives being changed and healed. Don't nobody understand. God says, can you read the Gospels? He understands, and he cares enough to help. He cares enough to provide. He understands. And the third point is life. Life. Every Easter, I do these terms for Easter, and I write them down. And I wrote down victory. I wrote down power. I wrote down love. We did love last year to end it. I remember it was, it was awesome. This year, the Holy Spirit said life. Someone say life. 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 I remember... Um, I remember... Um, Pre-Christ, I didn't have life. And I was trying to fill the voids with, with alcohol and, and women and pursuing this degree because one day I wanted to live in that neighborhood where I thought these things would fill the void. Um, and I didn't know I was so desperately seeking for life. But... I wasn't in Christ, so the Bible would call me spiritually dead. Yes, right. And we could all agree that the past two years, there's been some death in the land. Um, as a matter of fact, church attendance has declined some 40% um, over the past two years. Uh, a decade ago, 75% of Americans uh, claimed Christ. Now only 62% of Americans claim Christ. Um, Out of the individuals who stopped going to church during the pandemic, 14%, the research confirms, will never step foot in a church again. Um, 4,000 churches closed last year. Death. Death. The word death just simply means separation. Separation from God's best, um, separation from the blessing of God, separation from the plan of God. A lot of death has happened. Dreams have died. Some of you dropped dreams over the past two years. Hope has died. Relationships died. People have died. Um, A lot of death. I remember um, it was 2011, just met this beautiful woman in Barnes and Noble. And um, she was beautiful. But I had been, 2011, I've been five years into my faith. But I knew she was dead, spiritually dead. And so I was the weird 
med student, pre-med student, Bible student. I was confused. It's a good confusion. It's the best confusion. If you're going to be confused, be confused about, you know, medicine or the Lord. I mean, you can't really get it wrong. Um, and she sat down. It was, the room was full. It was a big Barnes & Noble. One seat because no one wanted to sit next to the Bible boy. Um, but I was alive. Um, and so she sat down. And the first thing I asked her at the end of our conversation was, do you believe in Jesus? And that got her wheels kind of turning. And she asked, um, what is something I could read in the scripture? I gave her a reading. Fast forward a month later, um, I took her to a, a play in Leesburg, Florida. I mean, dead, y'all. I mean, like she, she'll, she'll tell you her story, yeah. right? And I'm not judging anyone, but my wife cussed like a sailor. <laughs> and she was en route of smoking like Papa. Nine o'clock, treat me this way. I'm ready for 1045. You guys are... You're too Eastery. Um, took her to a play, and we were, they did the whole uh, play. I took her to Easter church. They did the whole play, and at the end, the pastor stood up and, and shared the gospel, the good news that Christ came, died for our sin, and if you give your life to him today, he'll give you a new life. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting and I'm praying. There are probably a thousand people in this room. I'm praying. And I said, Lord, just draw her, draw her to you. And she would admit that there is this, this spiritual t- tug of war. There is a weight sitting her. She wanted to give her life to Christ in her heart. And, and she, she, she'd tell you that God lifted her up. And brought her to the front of the stage. Now, let me tell you. I didn't know then that what I saw was death. The dead her died. That was the last time I would see the dead her. They prayed Romans 10, 9 through 10 over her in the back. She comes out, guys, not even trying to be spooky about it. She came out just like. Alive. And throughout the cigs. Haven't heard a curse word leave her mouth since that day. And I'll tell you this. Personally, I gave my life to Jesus 16 years ago. If people would have asked me 16 years ago, Josh, would you see your life here at 35? I would say no. People ask you, would you see your life here at 36? You say no. So we're not just talking about life one day in heaven. We're talking about right now. The best life right now. Blessings now, power now, resurrection now, dreams now, life now. Not one day, but now, this life, this world, before he comes back. Life now, life now. 
That's what it represents. It says this here, the earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs open, and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. Here's the significance of the resurrection. It's that people now are coming to life. People now are breaking free from alcoholic addiction, from drug addiction, from abusive relationships. Now, someone say now. Now. Jesus didn't wait to raise these people. He said, you're all coming with me when I rise. Now. And it's those people who started to spread the word historically. And they went to the neighboring villages and the neighboring cities and the neighboring nations and the word started to get out. And now for 2,000 years, we sit in this room. You can live now. Your dreams can resurrect now. New life.